When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. The Ukrainian people are united and resilient, and I learned that the EU and NATO are also similarly united. Putin is acting in a highly intentional way because he knows he has leverage from his energy dominance. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. We are going to need to rethink our relationships in Western Europe. We do not want to get into a situation where Russia and NATO get into an armed conflict. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Ukraine braces for a more brutal phase of war with Russia. As President Biden prepares to deliver his first State of the Union address tonight, this is it. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics on an historic day. We'll balance these two stories with insights on Ukraine from retired Air Force General David Deptula, and we'll look ahead to tonight's State of the Union with former New York Congressman Joe Crowley, former member of the Democratic leadership in the House. He has been there. Later, we cross the aisle for perspective from Republican Congressman Chuck Fleischman, Republican from Tennessee. And our signature panel is in place. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis are with us. So let's get started. We're all watching Ukraine with worry. As a column of Russian tanks and armor rolls toward Kyiv with the headline on the terminal, Ukraine faces more brutal form of war as Russia regroups. I spoke earlier today on balance of power with former Secretary of Defense William Cohen, who acknowledged the tough days ahead. I'm expecting a, a, a terrible assault upon the people of Kyiv. Uh, in order to make that uh, government uh, crumble, uh, to grab uh, President Zelensky, uh, try him or for um, war crimes as such, or kill him. A terrible assault on the people of Kiev. That's coming from William Cohen. The Institute for the Study of War. Yes, there is one. Estimating now this new phase will play out over several days as Russia regroups, and it has already begun. Bloomberg reporting Russian forces now surrounding Kharkiv, a city of nearly 1.8 million rocket attacks on a residential area, ending with civilian casualties. We don't have numbers. And for a sense of where this goes, we're joined now by retired Air Force General David Deptula, now dean of the Mitchell Institute for Aerospace Studies. He's been a constant source of insights in this conflict, and he's back with us now. General, welcome back. Is there any way for Ukraine to stop Russia from the air, or are we heading for house-to-house urban warfare? Well, Joe, thank you again for having me on. Um, It's an interesting question, and uh, it's an appropriate one. Um, Frankly, uh, to date, the war is not going the way Putin expected. Russia is becoming more and more isolated as uh, one country after another turns its skies into Russian no-fly zones. 
in the resolve of Ukraine in the West is everything now. Um, I, I think your panel and, and folks are very much aware that Putin planned on an early surrender by Ukraine, uh, but he's overextended. His forces are too few to conquer and occupy the country, and they're stretched too thin in terms of resupply. Um, all of that said, um, while the Ukrainian Air Force is doing very well, um, and much better than expected, and the Russians doing much worse than expected, yeah. uh, Ukraine is going to run into sustainment challenges, uh, you know, sortie generation or, or missions that are launched by their Air Force are going to become more of a problem due to maintenance challenges mm -hmm. and weapons expenditures. So it's a welcome offer that some nations uh, who operate the same aircraft as the Ukrainian Air Force, MiG-29s and yeah. Su-25s, yep. are willing to ship some of those aircraft to the Ukrainian Air Force. Uh, and that would be a very helpful factor uh, in equipping the Ukrainians and sort of resupplying them. The question now becomes, can they do that soon enough to take care of some of those columns of mm -hmm. uh, assault vehicles that you see lined up outside of Kiev. Is Russia going to win this invasion because of air superiority unless Ukraine can turn that around? Um, again, it's an open question. If you had asked me that question prior to their assault, um, I would have leaned toward yes. But as I mentioned earlier, the resolve of Ukraine is really impressive. Yeah. Uh, and frankly, um, so is the, the response of NATO's air forces in establishing an effective defensive response. I think NATO's, uh, some of the NATO countries' response in terms of providing equipment uh, to Ukraine and resupply is also encouraging. Um, so even though the Russians have the preponderance of forces, um, frankly, uh, they're not that motivated. It's very clear that their leadership, I'm talking about military leadership and command and control, yes. um, is confused and not performing the way one might anticipate. So I give it a 50-50 shot wow. on the outcome. Well, I'll tell you, and if the air war uh, doesn't take care of this, if this does go to house-to-house street-by-street street fighting. We know the tanks don't fit down those streets, and we know that the Ukrainians have a great deal of resolve here. This could take many more turns. And General David Deptula, we thank you, as ever, for the insights. We turn now to the other major story we're covering tonight. We'll be balancing both for the balance of this hour. That, of course, is the State of the Union. Madam Speaker, the President of the United States... That's what it will sound like at 9 p.m. Eastern Time when the Sergeant at Arms introduces President Biden for his first State of the Union address. Having already addressed a joint session of Congress, there's just something different about this time. And we're joined by a former member of the House Democratic leadership who attended many of these speeches over the years, former Congressman Joe Crowley, Democrat from New York. It's great to have you with us, Congressman. The president, I'm assuming, has seen this speech evolve greatly over the past couple of weeks. We thought this would be a speech about the domestic agenda going into this new year, about voting rights, dare I say, build back better. What does he need to say tonight about a war in Europe? 
Well, I do still think that uh, the bulk of the address tonight will be on domestic issues. And I think the president has a great deal to talk about. But there's no question uh, that the events of the last week uh, have changed, uh, certainly the tone uh, of the president's um, uh, State of the Union address, as well as, I think, the attitude of the members of Congress and certainly the country at large. I think that this will be a much more widely viewed uh, State of the Union address, uh, more than normal, more than usual, uh, because of what people see seeing uh, transpired um, almost minute to minute yep. uh, on the uh, 24-7 cable networks and, and other news that's being delivered, including the folks, your, your folks at Bloomberg. So I do think, though, that um, you know, we'll hear a great deal about, and I think uh, start out with the issue of Ukraine, I think we'll see um, members of both sides of the aisle united uh, for the most part um, in terms of what the president will say. I do think that this is an incredible opportunity for uh, Joe Biden to hit reset, um, to also to focus on, you know, the meaning of democracy, not only for Ukraine and the other parts of the world, but for the United States as well. Sure. To be an opportunity to address some of those issues we're, we're dealing with. Before. Is there bipartisan support for the administration's effort in Ukraine? Are we going to see both sides of the House rise when the president talks about this? Or is half the House going to be sitting down, Congressman? No, I suspect you'll see both sides standing. I would be really shocked. There may be a smattering of folks. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I can't speak for, you know, uh, uh, Ms. Green or others who may uh, take issue with right. support for Ukraine. Uh, but I think overwhelmingly both Democrats and Republicans will be, will be demonstrating support. I suspect uh, that'll change once the Ukraine. domestic issues uh, start to, to, to get into the conversation yeah. here. We know that he's going to use yeah. the word inflation, uh, Congressman Crowley. With that said, uh, the Jen Psaki says he's going to grab the bull by the horns here. What does he have to say, though? Does he have to admit that the administration had this wrong for, for part of last year and that they're taking corrective measures? No, I don't think it's necessarily a, a, an admittance of, of, of being wrong. I think it's, you know, you're dealing with a pandemic. Yeah. And uh, much of the inflation that we're dealing with now uh, transpired as a result of things that took place in the prior administration as well as this administration. What I think the president needs to focus on is to shoot straight with the people and say, look, we know because of what's happening in Ukraine and that part of the world that oil prices are going to go up, that we mm -hmm. anticipate gasoline, that there will be some impact there in terms of inflation, but that they're taking steps. They get it. They understand the American people are hurting right now. Yeah. Uh, but wages are up, that employment is up, um, that GDP is up, that the stock market is doing very, very well. There's also very positive things to be talking about. And that they're going to they're going to get the handle on inflation and, and reduce that for the American people. Does he need to tell America that we've turned the corner on covid and will he wear a mask? What do you think? My sense is that Democrats need to re, need to own the reopening of America. I think that we've gone through this. I think there's more and more of a sense yeah. that, uh, they, that, that the worst is behind us uh, and that uh, at least for now, uh, that Democrats are reopening um, not, not only government, but reopening uh, uh, business uh, and, and really having to deal with this for the foreseeable future. Um, it's, you know, we've done it with the flu. We've done it with other things huh. in terms of other pandemics. And I think we'll have to do with this, too. But so declare victory I, I tonight? Think, yeah. I, I don't look. I don't think you should declare victory. I think that this is going to be something that will be with us for quite some time. But my sense is, my personal sense is that we need to reopen America. Yeah. Uh, we need to reopen the world as well. 
Joe Crowley, what do you make of the fact that we're getting multiple Democratic responses to the Democratic president? You know, normally I'd ask you about the Republican yeah. response, but more mm-hmm. people are talking about Rashida Tlaib uh, speaking later mm-hmm. than they are about the governor of Iowa. Josh Gottheimer told Axios it's like keying your own car and slashing your own tires. Is that real? <laughs> well, I did see that, and I, I did chuckle a bit. I mean, the reality is that, um, you know, the Democratic Party is made up of many, many different philosophies and thoughts. Mm. Um, and we see it as a strength. Sometimes it can, it can hurt us as well. Yeah. And this may be one of those those cases where it does come back to bite a bit. Uh, my hope is that it's tempered a, a bit, that people understand that we are the party in control of both the House, the Senate, and the presidency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that uh, this also has to have focus on next this year's elections. And so... I really do hope that Tlaib is is careful about what she does say. Former Congressman Joe Crowley, Democrat from New York, we thank you for the insights. I hope one of these days I sit down in a studio with Joe Crowley without masks on. Can you imagine that? We assemble the panel next. Insights ahead from Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis on the fastest hour in politics. You won't get a one-two punch like that anywhere else. This is Bloomberg. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. With no shortage of headlines here crossing the terminal and two of the best minds in politics to discuss it all, we assemble the panel on Bloomberg Sound On with Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. Jeannie's with me here at World Headquarters in New York. Rick is in Washington. We're going to put the whole band back together 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time for our special coverage of the State of the Union. So why don't we start there? Rick, your expectations for tonight, there's a lot of pressure for this president who I'm sure did not invite half of the headlines that have emerged since this was scheduled for the 1st of March. How much time does he need to spend on a war in Europe versus domestic issues tonight? You know, he's got to give it a plenty of a uh... Uh, attraction because obviously this is one of the things that people want to hear about. They're going to tune in to say, hey, give us the war report, right? I mean, this is sort of the CNN moment for Mm -hmm. the State of the Union speech. And so that's going to be important. But I can't imagine it'd be more than a third of the speech. But uh, I guarantee you the speechwriter has been working overtime to try and fix this uh, section of the speech in the few days that they've had to work on it. Obviously, Jeannie, Americans uh, are not conflicted on this. They they think that President Zelensky is a hero. They're, They're pulling for the people of Ukraine. They're so impressed by what they've seen over the past six days, but is it incumbent upon the president 
to promise the American people that their sons, daughters, fathers, brothers, sisters will not end up in a war in Europe. I, I think he's going to make that case. You know, as I look at this, Joe Biden is really the man for this moment. He has talked more than probably anybody in modern American politics about the threat of autocracy hmm. and what we are witnessing in Russia today is what Joe Biden has been talking about. You know, this is a, a really an area where he feels most comfortable. And it's an area which, as you said, the American public agree on, mm. one of those rare bipartisan areas. So imagine if he was making this speech in the absence of this, he would be talking about things that absolutely divide Republicans and That's Democrats. Right. But he has the rare opportunity here to have the entire room stand up and cheer when he talks about the United States and him leading the United States and the world and the allies in taking on the threat that is Vladimir Putin mm -hmm. and standing up for the Ukraine. So I think it's going to be, as I agree with Rick, it'll probably be about a third of the speech. And I think to me, the big moment's going to be when he tries to pivot to domestic. Mm. Does it just sort of disintegrate into polarization? And half the room will remain seated. <laughs> uh, the headlines have been something. Just now, redhead on the terminal, United Airlines suspending flying over Russia for India flight uh, we'll hear more about that from uh, Charlie Pellet coming up. Apple, though, was really something. Did you guys see this? For a company of this influence to make the announcement uh, like it did today is, is quite remarkable. It's going to stop operating, stop selling goods in Russia. This type of self-sanctioning, Rick, is it happening on its own or is the White House in touch with corporate America? Well, I think the White House is in touch with corporate America. I think different elements of the government are reaching out to people to try and strengthen uh, the effect of these sanctions, right? It's just the, the leadership of the government is the one saying, let's sanction these guys. Mm -hmm. And I think it's great that various uh, different corporations are ready to do so on their own with their own resources. I think it's a wonderful uh, attribution to the free market uh, that actually cares about having democracies to sell into. It's uh, unprecedented, Jeannie, to see this. It, it really is. And I think, you know, it speaks to the fact that we are facing as a nation and as democracies around the world a, a really serious challenge and a threat, unlike one we haven't seen in the last 40 or 50 years, certainly since, since the end of the Cold War. And the fact that CEOs are recognizing that mm -hmm. and they are saying that they are not just going to be loyal to shareholders, who they obviously should be loyal to, yeah. but they're going to put their loyalty to freedom and democracy. Even if it means losing even money. Even if it means losing money. And of course, that is is the right thing to do and it also makes sense for the bottom line. We can't do anything to shore up the dollar if they don't do this and that's critically mm. important. So, you know, I think the fact that we've seen a number of, of companies and I think we're going to see more in the coming days and yeah. weeks, I think speaks to the fact that there is recognition of this challenge in a way that is visceral. Rick, we heard uh, a short time ago from William Cohen, who I spoke with on Balance of Power today, a terrible assault on the people of Kiev, a direct quote he expects outright bombing of the capital. As this column gets closer to Kyiv, as Kharkiv is uh, hit by rocket attacks and is now apparently encircled by Russian forces, how is this going to feel when Americans start watching potentially buildings coming down, uh, civilians dying in the streets? It changes the tenor here. People, Rick, are watching this on their iPhones. How does it change the reaction that people have to what's happening right now? You know, I think it's, uh, it, first of all, it's a great warning because this is going to get bad before it gets better. Yeah. And we don't know how long that's going to take. But so far, uh, the story has been, look at those brave Ukrainian mm -hmm. uh, citizen army uh, fighting back from this, this marauding horde. 
soon you'll see these pictures splashed all over the media of de devastation in capital cities and in residential communities. Um, they're already, the Russians, using things like cluster bombs, which uh, the government in the Ukraine has already started talking about uh, wars, crime, uh, 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 Crimes of war, war crimes, yeah, war crimes, uh, and so uh, this is going to play out in public. I mean, this is an amazing sort of experiment in the media how you cover a modern war in Europe. I mean, we haven't seen this since World War II, and there was nowhere near the media that you have today. So I think people are actually going to be shocked by the devastation. We've seen some of it today and more to come. There's a lot more to come. Rick and Jeannie are with us for the hour. We'll reassemble the panel straight ahead on Bloomberg Sound On. Also, a conversation with Congressman Chuck Fleischman, Republican from Tennessee. His thoughts on what's happening in Europe and what he wants to hear from President Biden tonight. Will he wear a mask? We'll find out ahead. This is Bloomberg. There's another redhead on the terminal. S&P Dow Jones says no Russia stocks will be added to indexes. They are running another headline on a pile of them that we were just talking about with Rick and Jeannie of the private sector essentially self-sanctioning out of principle because of what's going on overseas. As we prepare for the big speech tonight, and of course the latest in Ukraine, we're joined now by a Republican from Tennessee. Congressman Chuck Fleischman is ranking member of the House Appropriations Subcommittee on Homeland Security, has a unique view on this and has been working with the administration to try to stop Russia in its tracks. Congressman, thank you for being here. How worried are you about this turning into a full-blown urban war in cities like Kiev? Well, I'm very concerned. The magnitude of the Russian invasion, unprovoked Russian invasion into the sovereign country of Ukraine um, is, is, is large. Uh, initially, I thought that if Putin went in, and I did not want him to go in, mm. he would perhaps go into those two northeastern provinces where he claimed some separatist support. Mm -hmm. uh, if you recall a few years ago, he claimed something of that nature uh, when he took over the Crimea. Well, having said that, unfortunately, he has engulfed the entire country of Ukraine, uh, a naval tank, missile, air bombardment. Uh, it is horrific. And I am very, very fearful uh, that this will continue to escalate, uh, cause civilian and military losses. Yeah. So unnecessary. Well, this is troubling, Congressman. Uh, when you talk about losses, you know, people are watching this happen in real time in a way we've never seen a war unfold on our cell phones, on our TVs, on our computers. This is about to get if we if if what is about to happen, you know, appears to be uh, happening here, if it becomes reality, people are going to be outraged by this. There are going to be calls for us to do more. Are you steadfast in keeping U.S. troops, U.S. military aircraft out of the theater? Do we have a, any additional role that we can play to help our Ukrainian allies? Well, let me say this. Our NATO allies, we're NATO member. Yeah. Uh, have a an agreement with other NATO countries, let me be specific, Lithuania, Estonia, other countries mm -hmm. in the region which also fear Russian aggression. If, in fact, Putin should choose to uh, expand this invasion, and I hope he does not, then I think by implication 
all of the 30 NATO members will be involved. When you say expand, you uh, mean cross the Ukrainian border? Uh, yes, into other yeah. countries. Well, that's, that triggers other, an Article 5 response immediately, correct, right? Yeah. Correct. Absolutely but right. If, but short of that, if we're watching a European capital be destroyed by a madman, it does make you wonder what the greatest military power in the world can do about it. Understood. And this is a very tricky question. I will say this. Any time that we as a nation decide to put our men and women at risk in, con- in combat and therefore, by definition, expose them to casualties, wounded, and, and sadly killed, mm-hmm. we have got to be extremely, extremely careful. Uh, we would need full legislative and executive support. Another use uh, of force of that, authorization. On, 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 yes, and on top of that, we would need the full support of the vast majority of the American people. I want to be very careful because, again, mm-hmm. uh as bad and as horrific as this is, and we must all condemn what Russia has done, what Putin has done in this country, we want to make sure that we do not see an escalation. Uh, Putin, sadly, uh, has introduced some nuclear rhetoric to this talk, which is, I think, extremely detrimental. So we just have to proceed with caution when it comes to military, but in terms of diplomacy, economic, the rest of the world, is clearly against Russia and will be very punitive towards it. Uh, Putin has no way out. He is ultimately going to lose his fight. Congressman, would you vote to approve the Ukraine aid package? We're hearing about numbers between 6 and $10 billion. Some say that doesn't even go far enough. Is that what needs to happen now? Well, it's a start. Obviously, there's going to have to be humanitarian aid. There's no question about that. We are providing the Ukrainians, as are other countries, military aid and military hardware so that they can defend their homeland. Mm -hmm. These are not offensive uses of weapons. This is clearly a defensive aid package to help them thwart literally a Russian invasion and incursion into their their, uh, homeland. So uh, I think you're going to see not only the United States, but NATO and the rest of the world uh, stand firm with Ukraine. We've seen even the Germans to their uh, to their detriment economically, canceled mm-hmm. the Nord Stream pipeline. Uh, and on a daily basis, uh, you're seeing stock exchanges refuse new Russian members. Uh, over time, this will be overwhelmingly uh, strong against Russia, as yeah. it should be. I hope they pull out, do the right thing, and look for a diplomatic rather than a military solution to this. I'm assuming you're in the chamber tonight, Congressman, for the State of the Union address. Does President Biden need to bring something new to the table, a new layer of sanctions, something we haven't thought of yet? And I have to ask, will Republicans stand to applaud this united effort by NATO? Uh, If it's a united effort by NATO and if if the president, as commander in chief, has a strong, steadfast resolve to combat Putin and the Russians um, in this war of aggression against Ukraine, uh, I think that's standing ovation will be for the people of Ukraine and for the United States, not necessarily Joe Biden. <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, Biden has continually, whether it's in foreign or domestic policy, failed us. Plain and simple, he has failed us. He's got an opportunity now. He's got an easy one. The world, the United States, Republicans, Democrats, 
are opposed to the Russian invasion yes, they into are. Ukraine. He's got to articulate that, and if he does, he will deserve proper Properly. Congressman, thank you. Enjoy the big show tonight. It's the Super Bowl of politics. And of course, we're going to be covering it beginning 8.30 p.m. Eastern time here on Bloomberg. Thanks to Congressman Chuck Fleischman. This is Bloomberg. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. It's amazing what you can learn about the State of the Union address by first reading the guest list. And it's out. White House out with the guest list a short time ago. Those sitting in the first lady's box tonight watching, listening to the president likely to be called out, beginning with the Ukrainian ambassador to the U.S., Oksana Markarova. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised by this. It was just on Bloomberg last week and has been delivering the message from Kiev to Washington for the better part of two weeks. Also, though, some of these are a little bit different. Look at this. Francis Haugen. We talked about Francis Haugen on this program a couple of months ago, the Facebook whistleblower. There's also Pat Gelsinger, the CEO of Intel, a couple of others who have Helped to introduce the president, talking about infrastructure and build back better over the past year. That's who we're going to be seeing and likely hearing about tonight from the president. Let's reassemble the panel now as we prepare for the Super Bowl of politics. They'll be with me in our special live coverage starting at 830 tonight. Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. Jeannie, what do these invites tell you? Not a shock to see the Ukrainian ambassador. He's going to probably have to open the speech on the war in Europe, and we've talked about this for the better part of the hour. Pat Gelsinger, Intel, that's build back better. That's chips, right? He agreed with the White House to open this massive chip manufacturing plant uh, in Ohio. So we're going to go there. We're going to do the China Competes Act. Yeah. And, you know, that that was a big win for the president. It's something he wants to tout. And certainly that makes sense. You know, Mm -hmm. the issue with semiconductors speaks right to the challenge we've had with the supply chain, COVID, all of those things. And the president really needs to address those. The Francis Haugen one, that is the one that just what do you make of that? you know, sticks out, Um, you know, they describe her as a specialist in algorithmic product management. (laughs) Um, I can almost not say it, Joe Matthew, but... um, Known in Washington as a whistleblower.
whistleblower. Known in Washington as a whistleblower, obviously, with Facebook. And so it is curious to see. Now, they do talk about the fact she's an advocate for teen mental health. We know that's something that the First Mm -hmm. Lady and the President care an awful lot about. It's something that joined together Republicans and Democrats when she testified on the Hill, testified in the the United Kingdom. So, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see how he weaves that in. But that was the one that stuck out to me. For sure. What do you make of Francis Haugen on the list here, Rick? What is... How does Joe Biden use that as a hook? What's he planning to talk about? Oh, I think they want to regulate big tech. And I think she is one of the case studies around uh, big tech has not been taking care of our children. Hmm. Big tech has been preying upon them. Big tech has been, uh, you know, really invading our privacies. I mean, like, this is one of the areas, as Jeannie says, where Republicans, Democrats actually agree. So you could get both sides of the House up on that, right? I realize they're there for two different reasons, but it all, all roads lead to Facebook, Rick. Bashing big tech. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Joseph Jojo Burgess, described as a third generation steel worker, a member of the United Steelworkers, the union. He introduced Joe Biden recently at an event in Pittsburgh. This is more the type of name I expected to see, Jeannie. He's going to help to reinforce, obviously, the argument for infrastructure. That's right. And one of the president's big accomplishments. And and we have, you know, several people who are there because they do underscore what the president either feels was a success Mm -hmm. or something he wants to do. We also have a woman there who is benefiting from the American Rescue Plan as her children get child care for free. That's Mm -hmm. something that the president wants to talk about. So, you know, some of those are a little bit more traditional that will be sitting there. I think it, they said eight guests in all in the first lady's box, if yeah, you will. Right. What do you make of, uh, of that angle here tonight, Rick? We're not going to hear the words build back better, I presume, but how much time will the president invest in the components of that failed bill? You know, I think that uh, that'll really be uh, the subject that uh, Rashida Tlaib brings up when yes. she does her counter to this for That's the right. progressives. I think he can let her handle that piece of it. But <laughs> but look, I mean, he's also really in bad shape with working class white voters, and they've been bailing out of the Democratic Party. And so folks like Joe Burgess uh, and highlighting the value that this administration has for the working class is going to be a really important component to this because I know this is the State of the Union, but it's also an election year, Mm -hmm. and he's got to reconnect with those voters. Speaking of an election year, the Republican response. We spent more time talking about the Democratic response to the Democrat. How old-fashioned Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds will deliver the official GOP response. We're going to carry that tonight. I'll be curious to see what the setting is, but we do have a sense of what she's going to say. Took office in 2017, the first female governor of Iowa, on board with Donald Trump, Jeannie. Some have actually floated her as a potential running mate if Donald Trump plans to run again. What do we hear from her? I think we're going to hear a lot about what they say are her successes with COVID, particularly keeping schools open, keeping children in schools. She was anti-mandate. She was anti-mandate. And this is something, of course, that played well in Virginia, for instance, that governor's race. The Republicans expect that's going to be a huge dividing line for Mm -hmm. them and somewhere where they can pick up some moderates and do really well. Of course, as you mentioned, she's the first woman to lead the state of Iowa. She's one of the up-and-coming women in the Republican Party. And as you mentioned. I don't know what's happening with Mike Pence. I guess he's off of the list. <laughs> oh, I do but too. <laughs> she is a potential vice presidential running mate if Trump decides to run in 2024. Rick, Time Magazine calls Governor Reynolds Sarah Palin 2.0. You know I have to ask you if that's true. Boy, you've just broken me out in a cold sweat. <laughs> uh, 
You know, look, I mean, you know, she's a leading uh, voice in the conservative movement in the United States, a Midwesterner, uh, you know, so uh, and she's and it's interesting. They're now calling the uh, anti-mandate crowd common sense. And so she's going to give the common sense speech tonight. Hmm. And uh, and I think it'll go over well. I mean, it's uh, we don't see too many uh, women uh, elected officials getting the honor of doing this. And I kudos to the Republican Party for putting her on the spotlight. Is it the start of a much bigger political career for her? Sometimes these things can flop. Uh, most of the time, these yes, things they flop. do, <laughs> and uh, so it's a somebody risk. get me some water. Exactly, and uh, and so I've had many candidates of Bob Dole leaning against the desk. Don't lean against the desk, uh, <laughs> and uh, so I mean, like these things are are fraught with problems. But look, I mean, she's up for re-election. She uh, is an impressive uh, leader of our party, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and and she kind of fits the bill where she is a Trump supporter, but she's she's not crazy and i guess i have to make that distinction these days <laughs> it's the fact that we talk like this uh in 2022 uh a lot of pitfalls if you're doing the official response here genie through history this has just been a minefield you can ask anyone who's taken a swing at it and that goes for both parties how does she stay out of trouble you know, as you mentioned, poor Bobby Jindal, that was a that was a difficult oh, one. God. Marco Rubio with <laughs> Marco the water. Rubio, yeah. Bobby Jindal no. coming down the, the Gone with the Wind, Wind style staircase. I mean, there's just been one after another. The setting, the optics matter. Can, yeah. And, and I actually thought that Tim Scott last year um, did a really good job. That was last year, right? In, in response to President uh, President Biden's yeah. joint address. Um, you know, she's going to be speaking from Des Moines. I think she's you know, she is a good speaker. She also is a conservative woman. I mean, she is somebody who has, you know, pet signed laws on abortion, banning most abortions. She is somebody who has, you know, spoken out and signed legislation about gun, you know, against gun control and, you know, allowing people to own handguns without a permit. Mm -hmm. These are things that are very attractive to social conservatives. And so I do think we're going to hear some of that. But I think for the most part, she's going to stick to the themes of children in schools and what she has done to protect them through COVID, keep them in the classroom, keep them learning. And, you know, she is going to be speaking to those moderate, you know, American parents in particular who have been frustrated by all these governmental mandates. Rick, I'm sure she's going to beat the drum on inflation, the costs that are facing families, the kitchen table talk. How does President Biden get ahead of that tonight? You know, it's going to be tough because I know every time he uh, tries to address inflation, he he can't even say the word. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see how they bring it up tonight, because there's no question he needs to connect with uh, the, 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 the American family and talk about these rising costs and what he's doing to bring them down. And it's not enough to just say inflation looks like it's going to come down on its own. Right. I mean, like that's a mistake. Yeah. So um, so he's he's going to have the high bar to get it through. And frankly, it's a chip shot for her. All she's got to say is there was no inflation in the previous administration. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if a Republican wins again, there won't be an inflation in the future. And, and so she's got the easiest job tonight uh, to be able to tackle an issue that all Americans care most about. This is just a taste of what you're going to hear starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time with the smartest minds in politics here on Bloomberg Radio and on Bloomberg TV as I'll be joined by Jeannie and Rick for the State of the Union. We'll also have reports from our correspondents in Washington. Really looking forward to seeing you guys for that conversation later on tonight. It's March, Rabbit Rabbit. And you know, March is Women's History Month. Every day this month, we're going to celebrate significant moments in women's history. And with your installment for this Tuesday, the 1st of March, here's Bloomberg's Renita Young. 
On this day in women's history, in 1912, Isabella Goodwin is appointed the first female U.S. detective. She started in the New York City Police Department as a police matron overseeing female inmates and cleaning jail cells. But a bank heist made national headlines, and the police department asked Goodwin to step in. She posed as a maid and infiltrated a seedy boarding house. The information Goodwin found out led to the arrest of a gangster named Eddie the Boob Kinsley. The department rewarded Goodwin with a first-grade detective shield. If her story sounds familiar, you might have seen it on TV in the recent TV series The Alienist. Based on Caleb Carr's novel of the same name, Dakota Fanning plays Sarah Howard, who's based on Isabella Goodwin. That's Today in Women's History. I'm Renita Young. Bloomberg Radio. All right, Renita, we thank you and appreciate you being with us on the fastest hour in politics on an historic day. We'll be back shortly, just a few hours, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, as I mentioned, for special live coverage on Bloomberg, the State of the Union. We'll see you back then. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com.